And welcome back to another edition of what I like to call From Nonsense to God Sense as we take a look at some of the things that go on in this world through a biblical perspective. And, you know, it's about that time. It's the holiday season as it approaches. There are a few uh, events at the end of October that people will look at as the unofficial kickoff of the holiday season. And October 31st tends to be a pretty significant day when you've got Halloween and people celebrating uh, the tradition of Halloween on different levels. And then you also have uh, Reformation Day in the Christian church, the uh, the day that uh, Martin Luther nailed the 95 theses to the church door. And then in some... Uh, in the Mexican culture, you've got Dia de los Muertos, which I believe this year is November 2nd on Monday. And then in Los Angeles here, I don't know about other places, but we have a radio station that usually around November 1st kicks off its two-month-long Christmas song uh, playlist, and we get Christmas music starting uh, in November. And then, of course, it goes through New Year's, and so we've got a lot of stuff that we're at the threshold of celebrating and joining me is Dan Delzell. And, and Dan, when we take a look at, uh, at things like Halloween and we look at the Reformation Day, it's kind of interesting that you have these kind of two celebratory things going on that are really the antithesis of each other. You've got one that really has, depending on who you ask, can be a celebration of, of dark things like Halloween. You know, you've got witches, goblins, you know, things like that, scary movies, haunted houses. And people dressing up in, you know, ghoulish costumes. And then you have Reformation Day, which was actually a break from the uh, Catholic Church when Martin Luther nailed the 95 Theses to the church door. And so you've kind of got this October 31st celebration day for a lot of people that means a lot of things that really, when you look at it, is at two ends of the spectrum. Yeah, you know, uh, it really does have both of those, uh, I would say, uh, extremes uh, going there. So we've got fear and faith. You know, fear is, is something that everybody experiences. And Halloween is uh, very much about promoting that, trying to sell that, um, trying to really give somebody kind of some um, emotion and adrenaline that's related to fear. Uh, whereas the Protestant Reformation, uh, 500 years ago, at the time of Martin Luther, uh, was really about um, addressing really, you could say, spiritual fears that were being instilled in people uh, by their uh, organization. You know, the fear of, of going to hell unless you, you know, did something to make up for it. Uh, the fear of even uh, spending time in purgatory, you know, kind of an in-between state that, um, you know, at least the Catholic Church teaches, um, not, not from Scripture, but just from their own uh, tradition, as kind of a uh, a scary place, I guess that 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 people can go to and kind of make up for for some of their sins, I suppose, in in terms of getting ready for heaven. Uh, but then you've got what the Bible tells us uh, about uh, what what heaven is is about, what faith is about, what salvation is about, and it doesn't just give us um, this mythology, which is really what what purgatory would fall into. It doesn't. Uh, seek to instill people with fear uh, that, you know, maybe you won't uh, make it into heaven, but rather it seeks to give people faith in Jesus and in his death on the cross for our sins, uh, which is the only way any of us can be forgiven and, and given the free gift of eternal life. So, yeah, I think those things are all going on, Son, this time of year. You got Halloween, you got fear, you got religious institutions kind of, in some cases, and not just certain Catholics, but others. Uh, you know, pushing fear, pushing um, people to do more, do more, do more, kind of earn your way. Uh, and then, you know, you've got churches of various uh, groups that, that seem to do that. But then you've got more of those, uh, more of those churches in the, uh, the spirit of the, the Reformation that have come to see what the Bible really says about religion and faith, and that we don't have to be afraid of God or afraid of going to hell. Uh, we don't have to believe in this mythical place of purgatory uh, as, as a place that somehow we could somehow maybe make up the difference, uh, you know, for, for where we fell short in this life. But instead, it gives us that what the Bible calls this blessed hope, this, this beautiful assurance that salvation is our home. And, uh, and that's a wonderful thing, Son, because we do live in a world where there's a lot of scary things going on. There's a lot of violence in the streets. There's a lot of uncertainty with COVID. There's a lot of, um, uh, you know, just anxiety people are having regarding the election. And then, you know, Halloween is more of kind of an attempt for many people to just kind of 
um, you know, just kind of escape some of the reality of what's going on and just kind of uh, try to get an adrenaline rush into fear. But, uh, but you know, it's when we, when we look to Christ and, and get grounded in him and in, in his cross uh, that we really uh, start to experience, um, you know, peace with God and, and that certainty of salvation. So, uh, yeah, there's a lot, of, a lot of stuff going on all, all the time all around us, isn't there? You know, Dan, one of the interesting things about Halloween when it comes to the celebratory aspect of it, movies, things like that, is, is the, the spirit world. And that's really something that we really don't focus on a lot because a lot of people just dismiss it as a part of the celebration. But you watch movies and movies usually have to do with ghosts when it comes to Halloween, mm-hmm. scary movies, or mm-hmm. even, even nowadays. I mean, I took a class getting my English uh, master's degree in, the horror genre of film and we had to watch different films from each kind of decade and when you started back in the 1920s with Nosferatu Dracula the first Dracula movie and then you move into Frankenstein and then you move into uh, Invasion of the Body Snatchers you start to see kind of this innocence of kind of scary movies and move into more of the gore the more demonic, mm-hmm. the more, you know, spiritual aspects of it, like the conjuring, uh, the exorcist, yes. you know, things like that. Yes. And, yes. and I think it's, it's one of those things because when you correlate Halloween and purgatory, one of the connections, even though there really isn't any as far as the, uh, spirituality of the religions go, but you have mm-hmm. these spirits in Halloween that are kind of just roaming around, usually trying right. to do evil to somebody. And then, and then yes. purgatory is kind of like this area where people go, their souls go, and they're trying to kind of work off their sin or at least their attraction to yeah. sin. And so you yeah. kind of got these spirits out there in both worlds just kind of doing something. And, yeah. I, and as I was watching or reading and researching on it, that really yeah. isn't, there isn't really anything biblical to back that up, is there? No, there's there's nothing in Scripture, son, that would support this idea of a place that gets called purgatory, where a person can go and and somehow um, kind of make up for some of their sins. You know, the the whole um, theme behind purgatory is, is that you have to do something now to kind of shore up uh, maybe um, perhaps what Jesus has done for you. Rather than putting, you know, your full faith in Christ and in his cross, you're being taught, well, you know, don't worry because you're probably not going to have all your sins forgiven. After all, you're probably going to miss a few, you know, this idea that unless I confess every single one by name or something like this, um, you know, maybe I'll miss a few or, or maybe I won't do enough works, you know, to make up for that, which some religions teach that your works are, are really, um, Really, in essence, you know, one of the things that, that I guess washes away your sins. They may not say it quite that directly, but that's what they teach. Um, and, and so really behind that song, you know, the Bible says there's such a thing as doctrines of demons. And, and so uh, demons are the ones who promote doctrines that are just, you know, mythology like purgatory, that are workspace, uh, that are um, not teaching the gospel. And, you know, when you mentioned spirits, Son, it, it reminded me of uh, a couple incidents here uh, where I serve as a pastor uh, in this community. Um, a few years ago, uh, there was a family that was having some disturbances in their home. And, um, you know, I like to, you know, have a house blessing with families whenever they, they request that when they move into a new home. And anyway, this family was having some, some disturbances. And uh, they were describing some different things they were seeing in the home. And one of the daughters was actually seeing the figure of a woman at different times, maybe at night, like maybe in the hallway or by her bed. And, and then they showed me a, uh, a photo one time, son. They uh, had, had a camera in their home uh, just for, I guess, you know, home security. And anyway, um, late at night one night, this camera was, aimed into their bathroom there in the downstairs or kind of the main level of the house. And there was this image and it, and it looked like a, a female kind of this ghostly type image with kind of a, a female facial image there. Um, and, and so, you know, that um, I have no problem believing that, that, you know, that was most certainly a, you know, a demonic spirit of some kind. And, and so, we ended up having a, a house blessing and, and I just commanded, you know, that thing to leave in Jesus name, you know, as, as the apostles did in the new Testament. 
And, uh, but, but, you know, it, it was the sort of thing and, and, and it, you know, everything, you know, cleared up in their home, but, um, those sorts of things we don't think about as much maybe in our country as they do in other countries. You know, I think demons in our country like to really stay hidden, um, because they, they want people to think that, you know, um, the only thing that really is real is science and what we can prove scientifically. And so many people in our country here, um, and just in the, I would say in the West in general, you know, at least many places, um, are not as inclined to believe in spiritual things as maybe uh, many in the in the East would, you know, uh, with, with their idea of spirits and, and, and everything. But, but we have just as many evil spirits here as, as they have in other parts of the world. You know, a recent example that was kind of similar to that, Son, we have somebody um, in our church, and, um, you know, they uh, they live just, uh, just south of town here, a couple of miles, and kind of on a, a farm type home where, where he works and he's got a shop in back and he repairs cars and tractors and all sorts of things. Well, anyway, um, they had a couple fires there on their property within about two months. One, uh, kind of in their, in their big shop. And then the second one, um, while he was out on the tractor, a battery exploded and it burned his leg and his, his hands and everything. But, um, it really was quite odd uh, that they would happen that quickly. And I told him, I said, hey, you know, Bob, I said, uh, you know, this could very well, you know, be the devil working because, you know, this seems like this is the sort of thing that, that he would try to um, try to bring about. And I told him that one Sunday after this had happened, he, he came to church actually the Sunday right after it happened because I was out with him that night after he had the fire uh, on the tractor. And then they came to church on Sunday. He was kind of bandaged up. But uh, he, and then he showed me a picture. Um, and, uh, he said, uh, you know, thereby they're, um, well, just near, near where their farmhouse is, um, they have different cameras on their property. He showed me this photo and, and he said, you know, sometimes our alarm's been going off, um, you know, here on our property, like at two or three in the morning. And then, you know, here's this image by this flagpole that they have and kind of this ghostly image and, and so forth. So not all that different from like what I had seen at that other house. And, and the interesting thing with that one, Son, is um, the week before he showed me that, um, I actually had walked around their property three times and just prayed that the blood of Jesus would, would just protect them. Uh, because that was after the first fire. No, actually, I'm sorry, after both fires, I guess. I, I did that. Uh, and then it was that following week when, uh, after I did that, um, I said, hey, how are things going? And, and, I, and he said, well, you know, we're, this alarm's going off and this and that. And then he showed me that photo. And so it seemed to me like maybe, you know, we were kind of getting, getting at a little bit of what, whatever was there, kind of stirring it up a bit. And so I went back then that Sunday and I, I just commanded it to leave and so forth. But, um, you know, these, these sorts of things, Son, um, these go on. Uh, most of the time we don't know. Um, what, what, what spirits may be around us. Um, you know, sometimes we allow spirits into our life, uh, through something that we have experienced. Um, you know, not, not to go on too long here, but, um, there are two other recent examples that come to mind, sound with individuals who were, I really believe, oppressed by evil spirits. And, and it wasn't anything where they had like an image or, a, you know, a photo, like in this other case. But in one case, it's a guy I've known for years. And, um, he used to be a meth addict and, um, he continues to experience some paranoia and he's a truck driver. And I, I fully believe he, he's walking closely with the Lord today, but, but that paranoia was still, you know, hanging around. And one thing I equated it to with him is I said, you know, I said, sometimes we can engage in something whereby we open up a door, you know, for the enemy to oppress us. And, and so I said, just like someone, let's say, who engages in sexual immorality can open up a door for the enemy to oppress, I said, likewise, let's say using meth, uh, you open up that door to paranoia. And even after you confess it to the Lord and pray about it, um, a, a person may still be left with the lingering result of a sexually transmitted disease. Or in the spiritual realm, a person may still be left with just an oppressive spirit. And what he was experiencing, son, even here recently, is just paranoia. And I won't go into the details of that, but um, I don't believe he's been using, but I do think that it was a, a lingering thing. So I led him in a prayer, and one of the things I had him pray was that the door be closed that was open through his meth use. And he explained how powerful that was for him, 
because he really believed that that was a lingering issue, a lingering spiritual issue. Not that he was even still engaging in that sin, but that a door had been opened. Um, one last thing I'll share, and then I'll, you know, I'll let you uh, speak here. But uh, there was another person I've known for years in the community, and I was doing some counseling with this individual, and this person has lately had some, you know, real depression. And, and anyway, to take a long story short, um, what it turns out to be is that this person was actually sexually abused by a priest um, when she was young. And so the more we talked, um, the more it, it became at least clear to me that, that that may have been the route whereby through, through this traumatic event where she was the victim, um, then it opened up the door for her to be oppressed by the enemy. And, and as we talked about that, she really seemed to feel like, you know, yeah, that's, I think that's exactly what's going on. So anyway, uh, led her in a long prayer. Um, one of the things we did is, is she just asked the Lord to close any of those doors that were open when she had been sexually abused by a priest. And, and I'll tell you, son, and I'm really summarizing here, but she really explained how powerful, how, you know, she'd been to therapists and you know, had all sorts of things done, but how she'd never forget that because of how powerful it was in her life. Um, just to kind of walk through that, praise the blood of Jesus, protect her. And, and, and now I, I've got her memorizing scripture verses to really help, um, you know, just keep her mind free and strong and, and, and in prayer. And she's a believer. She's been a believer a long time, but, but she was battling depression. And, and I think she was battling it largely because of a demonic attack that was rooted really way back when she was sexually abused. So um, all of those things, son, and thank you for letting me go on with that, but whether it be, you know, um, evil spirits at somebody's house, uh, evil spirits in the middle of the night, whether it be somebody who uh, was a former, you know, meth addict or someone who encountered sexual abuse, there are all sorts of ways in which the enemy seeks to attack and oppress, and our defense is the blood of Jesus, and, and, and we just need to pray for God's deliverance, his protection. Um, we're forgiven through the blood. We're protected through the blood. And there's power in the name of Jesus to drive away evil spirits. So um, this time of year is a good time of year to celebrate um, the victory we have in Jesus. Uh, we're saved by grace through faith in him, as Martin Luther came to know. And um, we're also given power uh, to command evil spirits to get away from us. And and by God's grace and his power, that's exactly what they do, Son. Yeah, it sounds like they'd be great candidates for purgatory because they're worthy of heaven, but they still need to purify their souls, so to speak, as they go through what they're going through. At least that's kind of what the belief is when it comes to purgatory. You know, it's like you're going to go to heaven because you're good enough to get there, but you're still struggling with some things, maybe an attraction to sin, or maybe you still have memories, pleasant memories of sin that you need to shed, or maybe there's still some remnants there that you have to go through, which which brings us to, or at least me, to this point. Okay, so if purgatory is this necessity because we're good enough to get to heaven, but we need to shed some of the stuff that is still kind of bogging us down. I think one of the underlying Bible verses that people kind of dismiss or maybe don't really put a whole lot of emphasis on, they might just read about it and then leave it at that, is Ephesians 6.12, you know, for we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, rulers of darkness of this world, spiritual wickedness in high places. And when you really digest that, it's really a significant verse that has a lot of meaning because the the things in that verse that's talking about is pretty powerful. It's 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 not just these passive things running around, boo, you scared you. You know, there's some pretty passive I mean there's some pretty dominant things that if we're passive about it, it can consume us. Like you said, you know, with some of these examples that you said, you know, it's it's the subtleties that we open ourselves up to. But right. then it's the actual kind of those things coming into us, taking us over and consuming us and decaying the soul that we really have to guard against. So the innocence of, I'm just going to do this because it's fun, whatever it might be. Uh, let's say yeah. Halloween, for example. And I'm guilty of this. I'll watch movies. You know, I enjoy for some, sure. some, uh, scary movies, but yet yeah, you have to really be careful. Because you're opening your mind. Like, I've never seen Exorcist. I, I just, that's, no, you know, people look at me either. and be like, yeah. oh, you've seen all these other ones. Why not that? There's just some things about those spiritual demonic films. Yeah. Amityville yeah. Horror is another thing that I just yeah. don't want to open my mind to, The Conjuring. That's right. And then people that, say, right. yeah, people say it's kind of hypocritical. But when you have, like, let's say someone like, 
uh, I don't know, uh, the guy from Halloween, um, you know, whatever his name is, uh, Michael Myers. Okay. Yeah, Michael Myers, yeah. Okay, that's, that's, that's a character playing a part, and I get it. He has some mental issues. He's right. killing people. That's just probably just as bad. But it's, right. it's, it's not the, it's not a play on the, on the mental. It's not, it's not the play on the spiritual that the, the, the demonic aspect of it, you know. It's, yeah. it's, yeah. it's a, to me, it's kind of like the criminal aspect of a guy that's going around killing people versus the demonic possession. And I think to me, and I could be wrong, let me know if I'm wrong, but to me personally, and, and who I am, it, it's a difference. You know, I can, I can control some of the things that go on in this world. I can still be a part of it, but control it knowing yeah. that, you yeah. know, yeah. Yeah. My, 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 my hedge is up. But then there's some things that I just don't want to delve into. I don't, I don't want to do anything like try drugs because right. I could become addicted to it. Right. I don't want right. to do other things because I could have negative effects towards me. But yet maybe oh. I'll have ice cream, even though it's he- not healthy for you, but I can control how much yeah. I consume. You know, if that makes sense, yeah. you can, you can kind of do some yeah. things that you can control yourself, but other things you don't have control right. over. And when you're really starting right. to deal against the principalities, the powers, the rules of darkness of this world, that spiritual wickedness yeah. in high places without yeah. Jesus. Right. And without a constant, uh, you know, crying out to him for help in this area, we can't battle these things on our own. And that's the mistake I think that we get is we think we can handle it and tackle these spiritual attacks on our own. And we really can't. Yeah. No, I tell you, son, um, I think that is so true. And, and I think that you're um, right on target when you say that, that you know, some movies um, do seem to have much more of a dark supernatural power about them. Um, I think The Exorcist would be one of them because it's, it would seem to, to, to almost glorify something that really um, – you know, ultimately, it's a very, very serious thing that's being done, you know, the casting out of, of demons. And, and just from the little clip that I've seen of it over the years, I've never watched it, but just, you know, that, that, that clip of, you know, the person kind of rising up off the bed, it, it seems like a, a really a demonic, a demonic-inspired movie. Um, and if not, it certainly seems to open up that door uh, in a way that, for example, a movie I, w- I wouldn't watch today, but I see it you know, advertised, it came out maybe a couple of years ago, it's called Ouija. Well, you know, a Ouija board song is, is part of uh, occultic activities. And, you know, when my wife was a teenager, um, she was with several friends. They were in a home one time when uh, somebody got out a Ouija board. And my wife knew enough to know that that, you know, wasn't something to mess around with. But, but she stayed while they did that. Um, and she was right there with them. Um, and anyway, what, what, what my wife, Tammy, said happened is, that um, the pieces on the board uh, started to, to move on their own, which I understand is part of the board. You know, that's part of the, you know, it's kind of like when somebody does, um, you know, levitation or when kids at a Halloween party play light as a feather, stiff as a board. And, and I mean, I've talked to teenagers for years about this and, and, and really how, how dangerous that is. But how many kids I've had tell me, you know, yeah, I, I've been to a party and I put like two fingers under this person. We've had like, you know, a few people around this person and, 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 and the body lifts up off the ground. You know, we say this little, uh, you know, mantra and, uh, you know, lies of feathers, as a board. And, but, but that's levitation. That's involving dark spirits. You know, most of those kids wouldn't realize that, but you're opening up your door. I mean, your, your, your heart then, uh, to that, to that influence. Well, my wife was messing around, or, you know, these kids had this Ouija board, and um, so the pieces started to move, and it, and it started to spell out the words K-I-L-L-T-A-M-M-Y. And, and I'm just thankful, Son, that there was nobody with her that day that was, you know, high on drugs or inclined toward maybe violence or whatever. But, I mean, you hear stories of, of teenagers just going, you know, berserk or, or doing all sorts of crazy things. And my wife knows certainly that that was not something she should have been involved with, but the Lord thankfully was, was with her and, and watched over her. But you don't want to mess with a Ouija board. You don't want to mess with the occult. Um, you know, Christians, you know, should not be watching movies that are, um, you know, really opening up doors to, um, to a, a level of fear that only demons can give. You know, there are scary movies that are, you know, almost humorous. And then there are, you know, there are scary movies that seem to just have, you know, there's this level of fear that is of such a, of a, of a demonic nature 
that um, you, know, you almost have to be a Christian to be able to discern it, I guess, because um, with the Holy Spirit in you, you just can tell this is not anything that we should be allowing in our home any more than we should be messing with a Ouija board. So, um, yeah, th- th- there are all sorts of things this time of year where I think Satan's looking for opportunities, really, Son. Um, and, and what many people may, may not even realize is that for, for Satanists, let's just go real hardcore, you know, devil-type activity, you know, for Satanists, Halloween is a high holy day where they have their, you know, their, their special services, their secret services. And, you know, and there's, there's tons of evidence that, that human sacrifice, uh, takes place that, you know, at many of these, uh, events, although that's kind of hidden from the public eye, you know, we, we live in a day of fake news where even just some very obvious things that are going on, you know, politically, um, some very obvious things that there's all sorts of evidence for, you know, uh, you know, mainstream media outlets won't even report on. So it shouldn't surprise us that we're not going to get much accurate evidence about what really, or much uh, uh, reporting, I should say, about what goes on, uh, you know, on Halloween uh, among Satanists, because, you know, of course, the devil likes to keep that hidden as much as possible. Uh, doesn't want to, you know, freak people out too much. It kind of wants to put a little something out there, give them a little taste, you know, maybe mess with the Ouija board, play light as a feather, stiff as a board, you know, maybe get involved with some wizardry, a little sorcery here, you know, um, and kind of leading you into more, uh, maybe, you know, let's just try, let's try some magic here. Let, let's try where we can have, you know, power over natural uh, forces. Let's, let's try to cause some things to happen. Let's, let's cast a spell upon someone. I mean, all of these things on, fall, fall into this realm of, of occultic, dangerous activity, and yet it, it's exploding in America. I mean, more and more people are involved with it. Um, and I suppose, you know, maybe they started out when they were young just being, um, uh, you know, just really entertained by wizardry and things like that, and, and maybe they got the taste. Hey, I think maybe if I, uh, you know, kill an animal and, and use its blood for this little uh, this little thing, uh, guess what? Uh, we can see some... Uh, some activities happen as a result of that. We can see some change come about. And, and so people get pulled into it because of the power many times, because it, it can bring about change. The problem is um, the change is coming by the demonic forces that are, are working um, just to draw you in and to get a foothold in your life. So it, it's never worth, uh, it's never worth it. It's always, the cost is way too high, but it does appeal. It appeals to people who want power, who want to try to manipulate natural forces. And that's what, you know, uh, evil spirits can do. They can manipulate natural, um, you know, forces and, and they can, they can do things not, not to the degree that God can, obviously, but, but they can, um, they can do things that impress people and, and that draw them in for more. And of course, that's the lure. That's how some people get addicted to the occult and to occultic activities. You know, Dan, uh, uh, when Martin Luther, when he tacked those 95 theses on the uh, church door there in Wittenberg in 1517, one of the things that he was actually, or a part of those 95 things, was purgatory. And, and, and going beyond that, there was even the, uh, the papal practice of, you know, indulgences. He was calling that into question and, and the excess and corruption in the Roman Catholic Church. And when you look at, uh, at purgatory, and I was doing some reading and some research on it, and one of the things that kept popping up was the term fundamentalist. In the argument, is purgatory, uh, in the Bible, is it true? Is it real? Versus is it wrong? The fundamentalists would say this. The fundamentalists would say that. You know, when it comes to sports, you know, we're in Los Angeles, Dodgers, Lakers, they just won the championships in their respective sports. And in right. and, and sports, you know, it comes down to the fundamentals, executing the fundamentals, because when you execute the fundamentals, you become successful. And so maybe yeah. as Christians and people that believe the Bible – Maybe we need to get back to basics, get back to those fundamentals and get back to what the basics of Christianity is and start practicing those. And that prepares us for more and more as we get deeper and deeper into some of these topics, we'll be better able to answer them and deal with them and be able to maneuver this world. Because as a fundamentalist, it sometimes seems to have a negative connotation, but really that's the root of it. You know, when you take a look at purgatory, for example, uh, it talks a lot about what we can do for our souls or our souls can do to shed uh, the sin or the memories of the sin or whatever attraction we still have towards the sin. We're good enough to get into heaven, but we still need to get, get this, you know, 
snakeskin shed it off of us in order to really enter into heaven. And what it does, it puts the onus on us, and it really diminishes the cross. It diminishes the fact that Jesus died on the cross to save us from our sins, and the only way to heaven is him. It takes away many, many Bible verses, you know, for the wages of, uh, for all of sin and fall short of the glory of God, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. You know, all those things. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man come to the Father but by me. And so it, it, this concept of purgatory, really when you think about it and and the process of it this purifying yourself and kind of sanctifying yourself through this whether some people say it's a spiritual state or some people say you can probably go through it now here on earth because you're poor or something um it really does diminish what the bible has to say it diminishes greatly what jesus did on the cross and instead of putting the onus on him as the free gift that was given to us with grace and mercy we can do it ourselves and therefore we don't need jesus yeah, that's exactly what goes on, Son, and and you're right. Um, there has been a real uh, assault against this idea of believing in fundamentals, um, of, of taking the Bible literally, uh, whether it be a real heaven, a real hell, uh, whether it be a real forgiveness of sins solely through faith in Jesus Christ, whether it be Christ's literal blood washing away sins through faith, uh, whether it be the literal... Um, uh, teaching of, of the virgin birth or the literal teaching of Christ's physical re- resurrection. Um, you know, uh, this idea that, that you're a fundamentalist, if you take the Bible literally, uh, I mean, sure, there are things in the Bible that are symbolic. Uh, there are things uh, in, in the Bible that are apocryphal and that, um, that, that, that point to other things. But, but, you know, the basic doctrines of our faith are to be taken um, literally. I mean, God is real. He is three persons. Uh, salvation really is a gift. And when, and when religion comes along and, and teaches that you have to do something in order to gain it, um, that's what Martin Luther uh, had been uh, believing for years. Uh, he was baptized as an infant uh, in the Catholic Church. But he did not grow up with faith in Jesus. He grew up jumping through the hoops. He did not have peace with God. He was trying to work his way in because that's what he was taught. And, and then, you know, Luther came across that beautiful verse in Romans 117 that says, the just or the righteous shall live by faith. And, you know, Luther said when he came to believe the gospel there, son, he said it was like heaven opened up. You know, it's like paradise was just right there before me. It's like I was born again. Well, um, he was born again. He was saved. He was redeemed. He was justified. He was forgiven. But only when he believed the gospel. All of that religion prior to that, son, that, that did nothing to save his soul because man cannot earn it. He can't buy it. Um, he can only receive it. It's a gift. Eternal life is free. Do you believe it? Well, Luther came to believe it. And um, he was part of a church that even to this day, son, continues to uh, to teach the false doctrines of, of purgatory, uh, the, 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 the false doctrines of, of, of praying to departed uh, folks who, who have died, you know, whether it be the Lord's mother, whether it be someone else uh, in the church who died. Um, none of those people hear any of, of uh, the prayers that are being prayed to them. In fact, I wrote an article uh, one time years ago, Son, and I believe the title was, uh, uh, you know, Praying to Departed Souls conjures uh, evil spirits or conjures dark angels or something like that. And, and, and so when you pray to the dead, that is an occultic activity, son. So um, if, if people pray to Mary, believe it or not, that's an occultic activity. If they pray to one of the so-called saints, that's an occultic activity. That opens up the door for demons to oppress the prayer, you know, the, the person praying, the prayer, and, 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 and just keep them in spiritual bondage. We are not to pray to anyone but God. Yeah, but how could that be wrong? I mean, Mary, she was such a wonderful person. She was. Mary, she was such a noble person. She was. But, but we, we, you should never pray to anyone but the Lord. And the minute you start praying to the dead, which, again, is forbidden in the Bible, you know, don't, don't try to communicate with the dead. I mean, um, nowhere in the Bible, uh, in fact, that we're commanded not to do that. Um, Jesus was dead, but on the third day he rose. So we pray to Jesus. We're not praying to a, a dead person. We're praying to the Lord of all, the King of Kings. But when people pray to a departed, quote-unquote, saint, when a person prays to Mary, they are just simply 
um, enshrouding themselves in spiritual darkness um, that is rooted to the demonic lie that if you if you do certain religious rituals, um, that's how you gain acceptance with God. That's how you have your sins forgiven. Rather than the, the gospel message from Scripture, which is believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you'll be saved. We are saved by grace through faith in Christ, not by praying to the dead. And, and so there's all sorts of occultic things that go on all the time, son, and many of them even in the name of religion. And, and, and yet it's so dangerous to do that, and God has warned us about it. But like you said, uh, you might be called a fundamentalist if you call it out, but um, you know what? Um, if being a fundamentalist means believing the Bible, <laughs> then you can, you can call me one of those anytime. You know, Jesus taught us how to pray when he said, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. And I don't remember him referring to anybody else when we talk about that. And so it's, it's again, things that we do or things that creep into our beliefs, our ideology, our theology that slowly chips away at that foundation, those fundamentals that get us to start to believe these other things. You know, when, um, when Martin Luther, you know, he tacked on the 95 theses there, there were things he objected to. And a lot of it had to do yeah. with, uh, with the Pope, you know, the, 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 pa- yeah. the, the, yeah. the papal experience and yeah. things that they were, uh, doing. A lot of it had to do with money, indulgences and the excess and stuff. But it's almost like we need some more of those things tacked on a wall somewhere because we've got a lot of stuff coming out in all aspects of Christianity. But even most recently, when you look at what the Pope, uh, Francis did, you know, he, he, he kind of danced around this whole idea of same sex marriage, trying to say that same sex civil unions are okay. Mm-hmm. And then trying to make a, a difference between the difference between a civil union and right, a, right. you know, a marriage, a same sex marriage. Yeah. And again, yeah. When, you, when you look at marriage, okay, if you take, if you take the Bible, if you take God out of marriage, then yeah, you could do whatever you want. You can marry whoever right. you want because that's not the institution that God set up. When you look at yeah. the biblical foundation for marriage, it is a man and a woman coming together, becoming one. And there's yeah. nothing else to say. Now, if you are somebody who would like to be gay and have a, a, a same-sex yeah. marriage, well, that's fine. Yeah. But you know what? It's not the biblical basis for marriage. And no. so it's like, you know, there's a lot of things in the Ten Commandments that I would love to do, but I don't because it's no. against the Ten Commandments. And if we want to talk about the Ten Commandments being a foundation of theology, like a lot of people do, you know, there's a yeah. lot of things that we don't do because it says in right. the Bible the Ten Commandments say, don't do this, therefore we don't. And yet we want to take other parts of the Bible and we want to skew it and we want to twist it and we want to make it so that it fits our theology and our ideology because we feel right. bad or we, we don't want it to be bad. And so, you know, so it's almost like we need another kind of someone coming up and tacking some more things saying this is what we disagree with when it comes to the church. And yeah. it seems like the Pope, who's a central figure when it comes to yeah. You know Christianity and and religion. It's almost like yeah. he's kind of lost his fundamentals as well. Yeah, you know the the, the Pope always seems to be um, the topic of conversation. Uh, you know, in in many different circles, it's been that way for you know, of course, centuries. And as you say, son, I and mean, now recently, you know, Pope Francis, who you know, by everyone's estimation, is a very compassionate man. I mean, you know, there's so many things about his life that seem so commendable in terms of of, of uh, much of what he does. But on the other hand, Son, um, you have to wonder a few things. You have to wonder, now, why would the person who really is kind of seen as the head of, of, of those, you know, uh, hundreds of millions, billions, you know, of, of Catholics, uh, I forget the exact number, but I mean, it's, it's up there, whether it be a billion or whatever it is. Um, why would... Why would he not just clearly articulate, um, you know, the gospel? Uh, I, I've never heard a pope articulate the gospel. That that's mystifying to me. In, in other words, I've never heard them explain. Uh, uh, never heard a pope explain, you know, to Catholics or to the world, um, salvation is a free gift through faith in Jesus. Um, I, I've, I've wondered, you know, over the years with Pope Francis if he understands repentance, and 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 now this. This latest uh, bit with him talking about civil unions, um, you know, biblically, son, it would be like if Jesus, with the woman caught in adultery, um, 
you know, didn't just say to her, you know, neither do I condemn you, you know, go and sin no more. It would have been like if Jesus would have said to her, well, neither do I condemn you. Now let, let's establish a civil union between you and, and the person you're in an adulterous affair with. I mean, in, in the Bible, an adulterous affair is no different than a homosexual relationship. Um, they're both equally sinful. And, and you would no more have, have Jesus, you know, trying to talk about some value of a, of a civil union of an adulterous affair or a, a gay relationship. I mean, the Lord would never go that route. He would do what he did with a woman caught in adultery. He, he, he would not condemn her. He would meet her where she's at. He would offer her his, his love. And, but he would, he would call her to repentance. Go and sin no more. Um, where in the Pope's proclamation is that? Uh, it's lacking. So, you know, if your message is lacking a biblical teaching of repentance, if it's lacking a biblical teaching of the gospel, um, then what you're going to end up with is what some mainline denominations have ended up with, like Pope Francis, where rather than calling it out as sinful, um, the largest Lutheran church body, for example, decided a number of years ago, well, hey, we're just going to embrace that um, behavior because rather than continue to call it out, um, rather than continue to identify it as a sin, like adultery, like fornication, like homosexual behavior has always been, you know, um, you know, classified as a sin according to the Bible, rather than that, we're going to, to kind of just um, see it no longer as a sin as long as there's two of you and, you know, you're not out with other people, but just the two of you, you can go ahead and do that. And so that kind of seems to be where, where the, the, the Pope is at. But, but I'll tell you what, son, um, you know, people who know the Bible know better than that. When the largest Lutheran church body uh, decided to do that, uh, there was a large Lutheran church body in Africa that they were partners with, and, and they were supporting financially this large Lutheran church body. And when they made their decision, uh, you know, this, this, these Lutherans in Africa said, hey, you know, we don't want to be connected to you anymore. Well, you know, you're not going to get, you know, these hundreds of thousands of dollars that, that we give you. Well, you know, hey, uh, you know, almost like what, um, you know, what you know, we see in the book of Acts, you know, may your money perish with you. You know, it's like we, we don't need it. We don't want it. We're not going to compromise the message for your money. And so they, they, they parted ways as well. They should have. But there are um, deceiving spirits out there. Son. That's why the Bible says test the spirits. Um, Pope Francis would, would do very well to compare his teaching and beliefs with what someone like say, Franklin Graham believes. You know, um, Franklin Graham, who's, who's doing all sorts of humanitarian work, who's Samaritan's first. And, and, and I think, you know, Franklin Graham and Pope Francis are very similar in that they both seem to be tremendously compassionate toward others. Well, that's great. But, but ultimately, you do have to get down to your message and the fundamentals of your message. And the message Franklin Graham presents is very different than what these mainline churches uh, and Pope Francis are presenting, uh, because they, those messages lack repentance. They, they, they seem to lack biblical faith, which is at the heart of the Protestant Reformation. You say, how could they ever get to that? Well, because the devil is very crafty. The devil is very sly. The, the devil knows how to introduce these things and make it seem like, well, you know, to be fair, to be equal, we don't want really anybody to, you know, to, to be left out. Um, let's just kind of make room for everybody. And again, I would say, son, Jesus made room for everyone, but on his terms, not on man's terms. I mean, if Jesus had said to her, go and sin no more, imagine him saying, now, now, Lord, can I ask you about that one? Um, how about, how about this, Lord? Can, can, you know, let, let's, can we make a deal here? Um, how about if, if, if I go and I, I kind of keep doing what I'm doing, but, but, but you continue to say to me, is it neither do I condemn you? And what the Lord said to her? It's like, well, wait, wait a minute. No, no. Re if Jesus' first sermon was repent and believe the good news. So this whole idea that we're going to talk about civil unions uh, involving a relationship that is in sin, whether it be fornication or adultery, which is far more prominent found than, than homosexual behavior. I mean, you know, maybe for every, uh, you know, one person engaging in homosexual behavior, and that's sinful. I mean, how many dozens of people are engaging in fornication or adultery? So, you know, that's a much, much bigger problem. Uh, homosexuality should never be picked on. But, but if people want to highlight it the way that Pope Francis is, well, then you have a biblical responsibility to tell the truth and, and to help people be free, not, not, not to encourage them to continue in something that the Lord forbids. This is not a discerning 
decision on his part at all. And, and it doesn't even square with the teaching in the Catholic Church, you know, on, on, on homosexuality. So, um, you know, people sometimes with maybe good intentions, you know, they, they, they do things that the Bible never, never condones. And, and yet, because it feels good, well, let's just go with this. It's, it's a progressive way of looking at it. But, you know, uh, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And, and I guess, I guess, on we're back to the fundamentals, aren't we? We're, we're, we're back to there are fundamentals of our faith, and, and you can't change God's word. You know, Dan, earlier you mentioned something about, uh, you know, demons in other countries and maybe how hard they have to work, so to speak. And then in America, they just kind of stay hidden. Maybe it's because we don't, they don't have to work as hard as they do in other places because the beliefs of people in other places, you know, if, if you, if the only thing you have to rely on in life is God, your faith is going to be that much stronger. You know, here in the West, you know, Western worlds, Western cultures, you know, there's a lot of excess, you know, and, and sometimes Jesus just becomes the genie in the bottle. You know, life is going good and we only need him when we need him. Usually when times are bad, you know, we cry out to them. I mean, I think that's what, uh, you know, um, the, uh, Hail Mary's all about, right? It's like this, you know, in football, the Hail Mary's like this, you know, last ditch effort to come up with something miraculous for success because you're down. And even, Mm -hmm. and even the Hail Mary is, you know, talking about, you know, God with us in the time of our, in our death or in time of our need. And so we're always, you know, reaching out to him when things are going bad. But yet when things are going good, we kind of put them up in the cupboard and only Mm -hmm. take them out when we need them, you know? Um, and so I think that's one of the things that we really have to kind of focus on, you know, individually take a check is that, you know, when are we focusing on God? When are we relying on him? Is it only in times that are bad, only in times when we need him, when we need to rub that lamp three times and get the genie out of the bottle? Or is it at all times good and bad on a daily thing? And I think a lot of times because we only focus or only call on him when things are bad, that we tend to get the, you know, like uh, Newton's law, things in motion tend to stay in motion. And once you start getting that ball rolling down some path, whether it be we opened up ourselves to to something because of something we watched or something we experienced or something we did. Right. And then we don't, we don't every day go back to the cross. And I think that's why I think sometimes, you know, I like to think maybe, you know, demons and and the spiritual world, those, uh, that wickedness just stays out of our way and lets us take that momentum and go because it's like, why interrupt that when we're destroying ourselves? Well, that's right, son. And I think probably, especially here, like in America, probably 99.9% of the demonic activity is invisible to the human eye in terms of just the spirits themselves. I mean, there, there may be settings in certain countries where, you know, there are a lot more sightings of evil spirits. You know, I gave those two examples of these two individuals, but, you know, with the, the photos that they had and, and, and so forth. And then what was going on uh, in their in their home, on their property. Um, but, I, but I think for the most part, you know, Simon, you're exactly right. It, it, it's Satan is, is working um, in, in ways that maybe um, a person's not quite so perceptive of you know the bible says in your anger do not sin or do not let the sun go down while you're still angry and do not give the devil a foothold so here's what happens son if somebody goes to bed at night angry holding a grudge not you know just withholding forgiveness um, what happens well you open up a door you open up a spiritual door for the devil to get a foothold and what does that look like well here's what it looks like son a person not only doesn't sleep well, they're subconscious all night is trying to resolve that issue. You wake up in the morning, you're still upset. The first thing you think about is that person. Um, you did not forgive them and you're harboring a grudge. And maybe you were the victim. It was very unfair what they did to you and they had no justification. And, and, and it's just so wrong what they did. With all that even being true, if we go to bed at night holding a grudge, then we're opening up the door for the enemy. So, so the solution to that is to pray for them, even when we don't feel like it, because that's going to help to keep our heart um, free. We, we don't want to open up doors, son. Um, sometimes doors are open when we're victimized. Uh, I mentioned the, the woman who was sexually abused by a priest. She was victimized. I think that opens up doors for Satan to oppress people. Uh, you know, children who are uh, abused. Uh, I think that opens up the doors for them to be oppressed. And, and there does need to be prayer and, and, and therapy and counseling, but, but, but also just the binding of spirits and the closing of spiritual doors through prayer. I think that is very, very important. And, and, and to go to your one point, son, I, 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 
don't necessarily think at all that it's that maybe demons don't have to work so hard here. Um, but here's what I think is going on. Um, I think there's a strategy in place in that realm that you referred to there from Ephesians 6, the rulers, the authorities, the powers of this dark world, and the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realm. I think they have a strategy in America. I think one of their strategies is that they, they, they try to convince as many people as possible that, that supernatural things um, don't ever happen. You see this and hear this from, from certain atheists, for example, in, in the country, who completely reject the idea of the supernatural. Now, you know, son, if we had, um, you know, uh, spirits appearing all the time, um, then, you know, it might be harder for them to, um, you know, these people to, to hang on to that belief that there's nothing supernatural. So, uh, you know, you, you go over into, you know, Eastern, you know, countries in the East and, and you'll have, it seems many more people who'll be open to this idea of spirits and evil spirits and, or even, you know, villages where they do certain things to try to ward off the evil spirits. Well, in America, you know, we're, we're a little more trim and proper. And, and, you know, we don't really, we, we, we kind of assume that because we don't really believe in those things as, as a nation per se, that they're not really here. And, and we're not going to talk about those. It's just superstition. superstition. It's just mythology. And, and we're above that. We're, we're progressive, you know. And so, no, uh, we, we, don't, uh, we don't believe in that. And, and so this, this rejection of the supernatural sign, it's one of the pillars upon which um, the atheism of many people stands. They have to be able in their minds to reject it. They have to be able to say, uh, you know, that science is king. And this idea of scientism is, is really this, this philosophy side that everything that we can know, everything that we could possibly know, uh, it can be known through science. And if you can't determine it through science, then it can't be known. So, you know, intellectuals have, uh, you know, and, and in Europe, uh, certainly, uh, also here in America, have, have done a lot of work to try to convince people that science is king, the supernatural is just mythology. That's what those fundamentalists do. And by the way, they're just people who go around in churches and, and they handle snakes, you know, these snake handlers, and, and, and they're just, you know, speaking in tongues all the time and, 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 and you know, talking gibberish, and, and uh, they're just fanatical. And, uh, and I guess today they would just be, you know, Trump supporters, you know, and, and uh, whatever. But, but anything the enemy can do, to try to make it seem as though Bible-believing Christians, evangelicals, you can say fundamentalists, are, are, you know, fanatical, they're crazy, they're out of their minds. Well, who do we think is behind that? You know, Satan, he hates the gospel. He hates people accepting Christ. He hates Christians. I mean, he really hates everybody, but he especially hates Christians. He hates Jews. He hates God's chosen people. He, he hates the cross. He hates the empty tomb. He hates the fact, Son, that as it says in Revelation 20.10, the devil who deceived them was thrown into the lake of burning sulfur where the beast and the false prophet had been thrown. They will be tormented day and night forever and ever. So there's nothing he can do to change that. Satan is going to be tormented in burning sulfur day and night forever and ever. Now, just saying that, Son, you know, many people say, oh, you're a fundamentalist. You believe the devil is a real being, which, by the way, is another one you get here in America and in Europe, you know, um, those who, who consider themselves enlightened and progressives and intellectuals. Oh, yeah, I, I don't think there's a real being, the devil. I think it's just more kind of general evil or this or that. So all sorts of false ideas uh, are out there, son. Only scripture and then, and then the Holy Spirit working through the word, working in our hearts. He's the only one that can give us true discernment. And um, he's the only one that can help give us faith. Uh, rather than fear. And so today, son, every listener, they don't have to be afraid of, of God. They don't have to be afraid of going to hell. Just call on the Lord. Just just rely on his shed blood. You know, all who rely on observing the law are under a curse. So if your religion, be it Catholic or whatever it is, if it's telling you you have to rely on the law, rely on purgatory to get into heaven, reject that outright. Say, no, no, no. Jesus paid it all. I'm going to rely on him. And I'm going to be part of a church that, that proclaims Jesus. I'm going to be part of a church that proclaims his blood. I'm going to be part of a church that's going to help me to have faith and not fear, um, and that God is on my side and for me and forgives me even though I'm a sinner. And so that, and, and like this young lady that uh, now Son has memorized, uh, she texted me the other day, she's uh, started out here with 33 memory verses that she has uh, chosen to help strengthen her soul now that we prayed and she asked the Lord to close this door that we both believe was open when she was sexually abused as a, as a child, you know, decades ago. So um, we're in a spiritual battle. Satan is out for souls. 
Uh, he's also out to abuse bodies whenever he can. Um, uh, it, it's so good to hear in recent days that these children who have been delivered from these sex trafficking rings in different states, you know, much of the mainstream media won't report on that. They're too busy, you know, reporting, you know, hoaxes that are, you know, the Russian collusion hoax or this or that. But I tell you what, son, children are being rescued from, uh, from human traffickers. There's a lot of good things happening, and, um, you know, God is, is the one who delivers us and saves us. We need his cross. We need the blood of Jesus, and today is the day of salvation. So there's a lot to be excited about in God's kingdom. Yeah, especially now as we go into this holiday season, we look beyond and, and get into really, you know, December and the birth of Christ and what that significance means as we then move into the spring and into Easter and his death and resurrection. We can really, if we focus on the cross, we can really find victory in Jesus yes. no matter what circumstance yes. we're going through. Well, that's it, Simon. It was interesting here recently, uh, just in the past week, I read that you know President Trump has said that he's kind of changed his religious affiliation for many, many years. He was Presbyterian. Now he's, he says he's non-denominational. Um, you know, of course, he hangs out with a lot of Christians. He has the most, uh, I mean, his, his vice president is, uh, you know, one of the strongest Christians I've ever seen involved in, in politics, uh, Mike Pence. And, uh, and what's interesting, you know, Presbyterian, my dad grew up Presbyterian, so I'm, uh, my mom grew up Lutheran, um, but but we were raised in a home where Christ was exalted, and it was about Christ, not about you know denomination per se, but but about Christ. And and you know a couple years ago, son, um, they said that uh, you know there are now more witches in America than Presbyterians. So here we are at Halloween, you know, and many people maybe grew up thinking, oh, witches, that's just all play, play, play. Well, no, they're, they're real witches who cast real spells. I mean, we heard four years ago there were a bunch of witches um, that were seeking to cast spells so that Donald Trump wouldn't be elected. Now, you have to wonder, well, why would witches care about that? What would be inspiring witches to try to um, conjure up supernatural power against, you know, Donald Trump? What threat is he? Well, you know. We, 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 we've seen what, what threat he is to darkness. We, we've seen how much, uh, you know, the most pro-life president in history. Um, you know, we've seen the conservative judges, uh, that he, um, that he advances and, and darkness hates the truth. It hates fundamentals, whether it be the fundamentals of the Bible, first and foremost, or the fundamentals of our constitution. I mean, what nation like our son has, has been established on earth that has the kind of freedom, uh, one nation under God that we have? What, what other nation has been so blessed as America? So, you know, uh, demons hate Christians, they hate Jews, they hate Israel, but I believe they hate America. And, and I think there was a reason why all those witches were getting together and, and trying to cast spells on Donald Trump. And this is a spiritual battle, son. We are in a spiritual battle. Um, you know, one, one side uh, supports uh, partial birth abortion, and then you've got, you know, Donald Trump, most pro-life president uh, in history. And uh, if Jesus were talking to, uh, you know, uh, leaders, let's say, of both groups, what do you think he would say to them? Uh, you know, w w one side trying to protect the babies, um, the other not. So all of these things that are going on um, around us uh, have spiritual uh, tentacles many times and a spiritual uh, uh, aspect to what to what they're about. And, uh, and Jesus is with us, and uh, we belong to him forever through faith. And so we just do what we can, and, and um, you know, it, it's wonderful, Son, to see people delivered from, from fear, uh, forgiven of their sins, and, and set free to live for Christ now. Uh, and I, I thought that was kind of cool to hear that, you know, President Trump is uh, saying, hey, non-denomination. Not that there's anything wrong with Presbyterian at all, certainly, but, but just to say, hey, I, I think he has really grown a lot um, with that vice president he's got, with that uh, Press Secretary Kaylee McEnany, super strong Christian. I mean, he has surrounded himself with some really good Christian people, and he is by no means a perfect person. We know that. Far from that. But um, he, he certainly doesn't seem ashamed of Jesus. In fact, last thing I'll say, Son, I said this last week. I mean, what other presidents, you know, maybe there have been, but uh, he, he was uh, he was asked, or, or somebody said to him recently when he was out, um, you know, some were speaking. They said, well, boy, you're, you're the most famous person in the world. And right away, he said, no, no. He said, no, I'm not. He said, Jesus Christ is the most famous person in the world. So I got to give him credit. You know, I mean, he's, he's lifting up Christ. Um, he doesn't claim to be a perfect person. He doesn't claim to have a perfect past. But I'll tell you what, son, if I've got two men standing in front of me, and I ask those men, I say, what do you think about those babies in the womb? And one seeking to protect them, and one's like, well, I'll let the mother decide. Uh, I'll let the abortion doctor, you know, uh, help her, uh, you know, if she decides to go a certain way. 
Um, hey, it's a very, very clear-cut decision as far as I'm concerned, Bob. Yeah, and Dan, in this day and age, we need to be reminded, First Peter 5, 8, you know, we need to be watchful, careful, because the devil is prowling around like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. And if we're not yeah. careful, we might just get devoured by him. Dan, thanks so much. We appreciate the conversation, the reformation that's taking place, uh, or at least Reformation Day and the change that started back when Martin Luther posted 95 theses on the wall. And, you know, maybe we need to check ourselves and see if there's anything that we need to change and kind of yeah. maybe tack 95 theses on our own hearts of things that we need to change that we see wrong in our lives and, uh, and, and move forward. And then, uh, you know, maybe we can enjoy this holiday celebrations through, uh, November and December into the new year as we look forward for things to come so thanks so much for your time and for your comments we really appreciate it and um, we look forward to uh, more to come as we move forward hey thanks so much i sure look forward to that as well it was great to be with you today on such an important topic thanks so much and for those of you listening thanks for listening do tell a friend and until next time god bless